Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We kind of kicked this off last week. This is more than just a theological concept. This is the Word of God. Let me say this. If you're going to be a person that lives by the Word of God and the faith that it produces, you're going to have to expect some times in life in which the Word of God may sound very abstract in the shadow of your circumstance. You know, Jesus walked into Jairus' house there in Mark chapter 5, and he made a statement. He said, the damsel is not dead, she only sleeps. Well, the Bible says that the crowd that was there laughed them to scorn. But you know, Jesus was seeing something they didn't see. Amen? He was seeing something they didn't see. He was seeing an opportunity for the Father to be glorified through the work of the Son and the anointing of God that was upon His life. We know the end result of that. He raised her from the dead. Amen? And there may be times in your life, you, you know, you're... You're sitting at the bank and the banker looks across at you and says, well, you're bankrupt. That's when you ought to put your hands up and say, well, I thank God he supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory. Well, that banker probably think you're crazy. Well, you've seen something he hasn't seen. You've heard something that he hasn't heard. And you have to understand, even the, even the fact that you're here at, quote, church this morning means you believe in some things that you can't contact with your senses. Amen. You believe in God. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe in the Holy Spirit. And what's unique about things in the unseen realm is there are things so relevant to us that without them we couldn't be alive. You say, what do you mean? You're alive because of the Spirit on the inside of you. You have a Spirit on the inside of you that produces the life in your body. The Bible says in the book of James that so as, uh, so as the body without the Spirit is dead... So faith without works is dead, being alone. So we understand that your body has its, draws its life from an unseen force, which is the spirit on the inside of you. If there was some kind of tool, you could reach in and pull somebody's spirit out of their body. If you pulled their spirit out of their body, their body would fall over dead, lifeless. Amen. Now with that in mind, let's read our scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we read it last week. We'll use it as a kind of a jumping off scripture this week. It says, while we look not... Everybody say, look not. While we look not at things that are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, everybody say, not seen, are eternal. Everybody say, eternal. Let me read in the Amplified. It says, since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are visible are temporal, brief, and fleeting, but the things that are invisible, the things that are, excuse me, but the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. Now, you that were here last week, you know, we talked about Elisha, and he had a servant, and Elisha had been telling the king of Israel what was going on uh, in, the, in the king of Syria's bedroom. Ever plan that the king of Syria got? Elijah got it because he was a prophet. And he heard in a realm in which nobody else could hear. So he knew exactly what the king of Syria was doing. So he would send to his generals. And the generals every time would thwart the plans of the Syrians. And the king of Syria was getting upset. So he sent a big army to go and capture Elisha the prophet. 
Elisha's servants got up one morning, and as he stretched and looked out, there's all that Syrian army surrounding the entire town in which they were in. But all of a sudden, when Elisha saw the panic upon his servant's life, he said this. He said, God opened his eyes. He said, and God, the Bible says, God opened his eyes, and he looked, and he saw the chariots of God, the fire of the chariots of God, and the armies of heaven all around, completely surrounding the army of Syria. And if you go read the story, it's amazing because Elijah just walked out and with one word, they all went blind. They weren't struck with physical blindness. The Spirit of God came upon them and they were blind for a season and he led them somewhere else and God opened their eyes and they, they freaked out so bad they were like, we ain't never going back and try to mess with that guy again. Well, he called on an unseen force. Now, here it says, for we look not at the things that are seen. Now, first of all, you need to get... You need to get Good New Testament teaching that helps you to break free from any kind of denial concept. You say, what do you mean by that? A lot of times people will get into a, a situation, a circumstance, a trial, a trouble, you know, something that's going awry in their life, and they think, well, I've got faith. I just deny it. I just, uh, I just ignore it. I just, uh, that's not going to get you the answer. Remember our teaching on faith over the years. We have two neighborhoods in which we can live. The facts. Everybody say the facts. The facts of life. And we've got the truth. Over here in the facts, the fact may be the doctor said. The truth is, by his stripes we're healed. The fact, the fact may be, you don't have two nickels to rub together. The truth is, my God supplies all of my need. The fact is, depression may be trying to get on your mind. The truth is, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So you choose where you're going to live. I've heard people say this, face the facts. I'm not going to face the facts. I'm going to embrace the truth. I'm not going to ignore that there are facts. I'm going to take the truth of the Word of God, which has its power in the unseen realm, and I'm going to apply it to the facts of my life that go against the grain of what God says belongs to me in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, it says, For we look not at the things that are seen, but at things which are unseen, for the things which are seen are temporal. One translation says, subject to change. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about what was wrong in your life five years ago. How many remembered what was wrong in your life five years ago? One person. Amen. <laughs> Most of us don't even remember what was wrong three months ago. Amen. Uh, things have a, things, time has a way of removing us from the problems that seem so big today. Amen. Uh, thank God we can look not at things that are what are seen, for they are what? Subject to change. So the thing you're going through right now, whatever it is you're going through right now, it is subject to change. Oh, I don't think you're getting that. It is subject to change. You need to go home when you get home today and look in the mirror and point in the mirror and look at yourself and say, it is subject to change. This thing's fixing to change. These finances are fixing to change. That doctor's report is fixing to change. My employment situation is fixing to change. Anybody, anybody need a job? We need to believe God, amen? So here's the thing. We look not at things that are seen, but at things which are unseen. So, so how do you look at something unseen? That's kind of like trying to come back from a place you've never been. Just said that to mess with your mind. Amen. 
People are going, how do you come back from a place you've never been? It's just a, it's just a joke. Don't, <laughs> don't wear out your intellect on it. Amen. How do you look at what is not seen? You have to have a different set of eyes. Say, so what do you mean? Well, when you got born again, you got what's called in the Bible the eyes of understanding. We talked about that last week, about how your mind demands what? Your mind demands an explanation, a reasonable explanation for everything that it embraces. But all the spirit of a man needs is an understanding of the Word of God. That's why Paul prayed for us in Ephesians chapter 1 that the what? Eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. So you have two sets of eyes, and it's your choice what you view life through. Amen? Now, I wanted to kind of go the direction this week. Since we talked about different things that have to do with needs and stuff last week, I wanted to go the, the direction of our identity, who we are in Christ. Because what we tend to do as people, as human beings upon the earth, is we tend to look in the natural mirrors that life affords us, and we get the reflection, we see the reflection of what we look like, and we claim that and adopt that as who we are. But in reality, you're not what's looking back at you in the mirror. Most of us say, amen. Everybody else can say, oh me. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, first of all, you're born again. So you don't look like you used to look before you got saved. Let me try that again. Some of y'all need to hear that. You're born again. Everybody say, I'm born again. Say, I'm born again. Say, Jesus is my Lord. Now, because of that, you look different. You don't look like death anymore. You look like life. You don't look broke anymore. You look rich. Now, that, see, there's a lot of people. Well, I'll tell you what, brother. Come look at my house. I don't look rich. Look at my car. I don't look rich. Look at my shoes. I don't look rich. Here's the thing. We have determined by the teaching of the Word of God that there are two systems upon the world. There is the world system, which is failing and falling as we speak. There is the kingdom of God, which is getting ready for its most glorious days upon the earth. In the midst of that, you've got to realize that the view of who you are in this world and the view of who you are in this world is different. And because of that, you've got to choose which view you're going to embrace. You can't see yourself. Listen to me. You can't see yourself as a poor old sinner saved by grace. Now, that's a religious term, but that's not what you are. You are not a poor old sinner saved by grace. The Bible says, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You say, well, how do you know that? You've got to see it in the Word of God, and the power of the Word of God or the power that is in the Word of God has the ability to convince you of its reality beyond what your senses tell you. I've had my senses tell me many times that I was sick. Amen? Let me give you a little insight into walking in divine health. Just don't claim sickness. Just don't claim it. You know, we unconsciously many times, as soon as we get a symptom, we start claiming it. Well, I think I'm coming down. I, I'm, I'm going to have, a, it's getting a hold of. A, I mean, we just start right off the bat using our words to take a hold of that which the enemy is trying to tempt us with. But in the reality of redemption, you're not sick trying to get healed. You're the healed of God that should be using the Word of God to fight off any symptom of sickness or disease. Amen? So you've got to see yourself in Christ. Now, what does the world system want, want you to, how does it want you to view yourself? It wants you to view yourself through the natural. It wants you to see 
Male, female, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. I mean, it's got all these categories it wants you to conform to as you see yourself in the confirmation of one of those boxes they want to put you in. But the good news is you've been born again. Now listen, and you're being influenced by a city you've never been to. Amen. You know, there are influences that come out of cities. They've got, what is it, the... the uh, New York brand pizza and Chicago style pizza. You know, they, the, the influence of, of the cooking of Italian food. They've got, they've got Kansas City barbecue and they've got Dallas barbecue. You know, cities have particular influences. But listen, you are a citizen of a city you've not visited yet. There is a place of habitation in that city which you're going to live one day. But that city is the place of God and the kingdom of heaven itself is having an effect on your life by empowering you to help you see what is in the unseen so you can bring what is in the unseen into the seen and affect your life in the seen realm. If you never embrace the unseen, the seen will never change. Now when it comes to identity, we're so strong. Now listen, there are unseen forces in the earth right now. Think about this. One of the biggest trends in America, I don't know about the other world, but other nations of the world, but I've noticed this in America, especially recently, of the trend of many, many men believing they are women. And many, many women believing they are men. Now listen, if you're a man in here and you believe you're a woman, I, I can help you. I can, I can cast that devil out of you. Amen. Because that is, a, that literally is a deception. And we've got all the psychiatrists and psychologists and all the social engineers that try to explain to us why we should nurture that in our children and nurture that in our young people. And if they have, if you've got a young boy and he has any female tendencies, then you need to nurture that. If you've got a young girl and she's got, you need to nurture that. What are you doing? You're reaching into the unseen realm and you're bringing forces into your own life for the life of your children that are, a, that are literally a deception. They are not true. And we've got today, with the modern technology of medicine today, you can go get yourself fixed. <laughs> but the problem is, you're fixed from the outside. And it will not affect the inside. Because the same confusion, and the same pain, and the same deception that makes a man think he's a woman. How do we get off on this? Amen? It's a strange subject. Anyway, somebody needs to hear it. Amen? That same deception, that same confusion that's on the inside of an individual that would pursue that to try to get a change, it's still there after the change. It's still there. A physical alteration is not going to change it. But thank God there's a spiritual alteration. There's a spiritual newness that can come on the inside of you that can clear up the confusion, that can heal the pain, that can do whatever it needs to help you see yourself the way God sees you. And when you begin to see yourself the way God sees you, you see that you're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things are new. But you've got to make a decision to embrace that and then you've got to walk in the light of it. 
Everything you enact into your life spiritually has to be done by the same principle. You have to believe it in your heart. You have to confess it with your mouth. If anybody needed an identity change 37 years ago, I did. My identity was a mess. I mean, if you used all of the negative adjectives that you could come up with to describe my life, I had them all. Dysfunctional, addicted, depressed. I mean, you could, have, you could put them all in there. But in one moment of time, as I got right with God, I had a knowing come on the inside of me from a realm that I could not touch with my senses that helped me understand. I'm not that person that was sitting here five seconds ago. I'm somebody brand new in Christ Jesus. And it really doesn't have anything to do with white or black, male or female. It has to do with the very spirit of the living God living on the inside of me and making me a new creature in Christ Jesus. Go to the book of Judges real quick. We don't teach out of Judges a whole lot. We probably should do it a little more. The Bible is full. I, there were so many examples. I settled on this one just because I, I didn't. if I taught on all of them, it would take me forever. But you can go from Moses to Abraham to, 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 to David, King David. You can go from Saul, the first king of Israel, Saul. Remember him? Uh, all of these people that God came into their life and said, now listen, you've got an assignment and you got something great to do in the kingdom of God. The first thing he did was to reveal to them how he saw them. Not how they saw themselves. Not how their nation viewed them. Not how their mom or daddy viewed them. But how God saw them. Now let me say something to you. This may help you. You know, our parents can say things to us. Educators can say, thing to, say things to us. Society can say things. There's all kinds of voices that can speak into your life to try to shape and form your life. But there is one voice, one voice and one voice only, that wants to speak into your life and shape your life and form your life and handle your life that he is the only voice that you know if he does it, it's going to be done right. Thank God for what parents can do and the parental guidance and training that we get. Thank God for education, what teachers can do, and all that they can train us. But at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to result in something great, good, and positive in our life is the change that's going to come from the inside out because of the newness of who we are in Christ. Now, real simple, we'll, we'll look at Gideon here. When you got saved, you did not change. And a lot of people, I've said that for years all over the world, and a lot of people are like, I'm telling you, my life changed when I got saved. No, hold on, hold on. You personally, God did not change you. You are not, uh, how can I say this? You're not a fixed up, repaired, uh, what do you call it when you do, do it to cars? What, what a, a restora you're, not, you're not a restoration of something that was broke. Amen. Let me say that again. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You're not a restoration of something that was broke. God did not change you. That's what change is. And you'll see, that, you'll see the difference here in just a moment. When you got born again, you were made brand new. And there's a, there's a big difference. There's a big difference in a restoration job and something that's brand new. Amen. You say, well, how is that even relevant to me? Now, now, because you are a new creature in Christ, if you can see yourself in Christ, now for the first time in your life, change 
is something you can enter into. Your life can change now because of the newness that the new birth has put into your life. And God has given you every word that you need to partake of his divine nature through his precious promises so that you can live from the unseen realm that you embrace in its power, in its provision, and its ability. And you can be free from all of this other bondage and craziness that's on the earth that man needs to be set free from right now. I mean, there's some crazy stuff being done out there. Some crazy things being said. I mean, it's amazing how the, how the society, we see it literally evolving into this, this, this one world tyranny in which uh, thankfully Jesus will come back before the church has to endure it. But I tell you, I would not want to be here to see the results and the outcome of what they're sowing right now. Amen? Now, here's a story in, in Judges chapter 6. These people called the Midianites, man, they just weren't cool at all. They came down and for seven years, Israel had to live under the bondage of Midian. And what Midian would do is they would kind of let Israel kind of live their lives out, especially in the agricultural areas, and let them plant their crops. And then right at harvest time, here would come Midian. The Bible says that they spread themselves like grasshoppers across the land and came and they took everything that Israel sold, everything that Israel was looking forward to reaping, they took it. Ever feel like that in your own life? So God needed a deliverer. Everybody say a deliverer. Verse 11 says, There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak tree which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abazarite and his son Gideon. Now notice this. His son Gideon thrashed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. So, here's God seated on his throne, and he goes like this to an angel. The angel walks up. What you need, Lord? I want you to go down to the earth. You see what Midian's doing to my children down there, to my servants. I want you to go down there, and I want you to find Gideon. And I want you to tell Gideon, I see him as a deliverer and a mighty man of valor. Now, that'd be a great day, wouldn't it? Praise the Lord. All right, now, now I can do anything God tells me to do. Now, notice Gideon's response. Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord. See, that's where that phrase came from. <laughs> you ever said that? Oh, my Lord. It's biblical, amen. Oh, my Lord. If the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midian, Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go at this day, at this, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel. From the hand of the Midianites, have I not sent thee? And he said, or Gideon said, Oh, my Lord. There it is again. I told you it's scriptural. Oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save? How am I going to do this? Now, here we go again. Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. Oh, my goodness. And I'm the least in my father's house. Oh, well, that's, I'm, I'm, God just stood up, so I just made a mistake. Sorry. I was looking for somebody else. I thought it was you. <laughs> Amen. 
You see, built into humanity, a natural resistance against that which God says about you. You have to understand that, church. It's built into your nature. That old fallen nature that you have, which lies resident in your flesh and in your mind, that's why you've got to renew your mind with the Word of God. You've got to present your body a living sacrifice unto God. It will try to talk you out of everything that God says already belongs to you, and it will do it based on identity. And here's what the devil wants you to think. Well, I'm not holy. Well, I'm not righteous. Well, I've never really done anything really good on the earth. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a pastor. I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not even a Sunday school teacher. I just come to Island Church, you know, two or three times a month. And I, I love the teaching of the Word of God. But, oh, I mean, if people really knew who I was, if they really knew, knew we don't, listen, we know who you are. Let me tell you who you are. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things are new. For, let me tell you who you are. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you who you are. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you who you are. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the earth. Let me tell you who you are. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You've got to quit drawing your identity off of your experiences and off of your past. You've got to let the past die. Now, Gideon has a redeeming quality. I believe this is why Gideon was chosen by God. It's because even though Midian was stealing everything Israel had sown, Gideon ended up with a harvest. Notice he was hiding from them. He was still involved in seed time and harvest. He still trusted God to, 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 to bring in what he had sowed. And he had enough wits about him to hide it from the Midianites as he thrashed it at the threshing floor. Now, here's the thing. This angel comes and says, now listen, you've got to take what God is speaking to you and you've got to become the mighty man of valor that God says you are. You can't use the excuse of your past. You can't use the excuse of your family. You can't use the excuse of your education. And you can't use the excuse of all the sin that your nation has been involved in. You're going to have to be, now listen to me, you're going to have to be who God says you be so you can do what God tells you to do. Let me say that again. You're going to have to be who God says you be. Now that's not good English, I know that. Don't send me no emails, you know, you shouldn't be talking. Well, that's just the way it comes out, Amen. I like what one preacher said years ago. He said, if you see who you be, it will change what you do. And a lot of people's biggest problem when it comes to their faith and walking in Christ is they just don't see who they be. You have not embraced the unseen realm where it says, look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. The first place you need to begin to look into the Word of God is into the scriptures that have to do with your identity. And you have to be responsible enough as a believer to use the weapons, the tools, and the gifts of God to reinforce into your life who you are in Christ Jesus and literally segregate yourself from everything else. Well, Pastor, I believe in pride. Get rid of it. Well, I believe in, I believe in Hispanic pride, and I believe in black pride, and I believe, get rid of it. 
There ain't nothing good about pride. God hates it. And the reason there's nothing good about pride is because every portion of the human family, the black, the white, the Hispanic, the Asian, everyone around the world falls into the same category of the human family. They're lost. They're undone without God. And God in Christ Jesus has a brand new identity that supersedes everything else. But if you're going to walk in the power and the light of that, you're going to have to embrace that unseen realm and see yourself. Now listen to me. And say yourself. Now, when I came back to the Lord years ago, I had some identity problems. A good friend of mine sent me some teaching on redemption. But I am so thankful that I sat under enough good teaching to understand that the word lies dormant in the unseen realm till it's acted upon. And you'll never, listen to me, you'll never have any true change in your life that's motivated by the power of this newness that you got in the new birth until you start entering in, seeing, and saying what God says about you. Doesn't matter what the world says about you. They try to put you in a color box. They try to put you in a gender box. They try to put you in a, in a, in a, in a, in a geographical box. Doesn't matter. You need to embrace the word. You need to embrace the word and break down all of the other identifying characteristics of your life through what? Through believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. I found my freedom in a continual confession of what God says about me. What he says about me. You say, what do you mean what he says about you? In the word of God, especially in the letters to the church, there are over 230 something scriptures that talk about who you are, what you have, and what you can do in Christ. And until you embrace them, believe them in your heart, and confess them with your mouth on a continual basis, they lie in the unseen realm, no power released whatsoever. But they are designed by God through revelation from his word and the confession of your heart, uh, the confession of your mouth, and the belief of your heart to release the power of God. And that power has great ability to remove all of the X's out of your life. You say, what do you mean? God doesn't want you being an X. Well, I'm an ex-drug addict. I'm an ex-alcoholic. I'm an ex-this. I'm an ex-that. God does not see you like that. God does not see you as a poor old sinner saved by grace. He sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ. He doesn't see you as sick trying to get healed. He sees you as the healed of God, using the Word of God to fight off every attack, a symptom, a sickness, a disease, whatever it may be. He doesn't see you as broke trying to get rich. He sees you as rich using tithing and offering to appropriate whatever you need on this earth to do whatever God's called you to do. You've got to see things. Now listen to me. See things and say things the way God sees them and the way God says them. If you do not do it, you're going to be bound by the flesh, your past, and every demonic force the enemy will try to use to convince you of the reality of what God says. Oh, that ain't true. He'll put a pain in your body. See, you're not healed. You can get to listen to that preacher say you're the healed of God. Feel that. Mm. <laughs> Amen. Well, all that is is a temptation. For years, I listened to a minister. I still do listen to him quite a lot. And he, he, he was healed of, a, of a three different conditions. Any one of the conditions would have killed him. And he was healed of all of those conditions as a 17-year-old boy. 
And then uh, uh, I began to listen to him preach in the early 60s and then, you know, the 60s into the 70s. And then I was away from God for a while. And then when I came back to the Lord in the, in the mid-80s, he was still teaching and preaching. So I listened to him then. And he always said the same thing about himself when it came to healing. He said this. He said, when I got healed and he would name a date, 1933, and when she got healed, he said, I hadn't been sick, hadn't had a headache, hadn't had the flu, hadn't had a cold, hadn't had one sickness, one disease touch me. And, and, you know, I guess at the end of his ministry, been in ministry 60-something years, in 60-something years. Now, I remember being in one of his meetings up at Lakewood Church in Houston. And he had a handkerchief up on the deal. He's hawking and the, 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 blowing his nose. Then he kept talking about, well, you know, I haven't had the flu in, in, in 45 years. And, 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 all, and he's going on. And I'm thinking to myself, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you're up here standing in a pulpit in front of 5,000 people. And you're talking about how you're not sick and how you haven't been sick in 40-something years. You're sick now. I want to stand up and say that, amen. You ever felt like that when somebody's preaching? It's obviously what they're preaching. There's two different things that you're seeing. So I, 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 I kept listening and listening and hoping he'd say something that would help me. And then he said this, and I, when he did, it changed, it changed the way I viewed everything. He said, now I hadn't had a headache, hadn't had a flu, hadn't had a cold since I was healed uh, up off the bed of affliction when I was a 17-year-old boy. He said, but that doesn't mean I hadn't been tempted. And I got it, just like that. I saw the unseen. That what God says is not the facts. It's the truth. And the truth overpowers the facts. Every day of the week, 365 days a year, and an extra day on leap year. Amen? And you've got to realize it lies dormant without any power released until you embrace it and until you engage it. And embracing and engaging it means you do what? You believe it in your heart. Same way you got saved. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. You're going to have to start saying, I'm a new creature in Christ. You're going to have to start saying, I'm the righteousness of God. This removes, this removes the inferiority. This removes the unholiness that we tend to feel because of our past mistakes and things we've done. This removes the insecurity when it comes to approaching God. God wants us to do what? He wants us to boldly, boldly approach the throne of grace that we might not find mercy, that we might find help in time of need. You know why many of us, why many of us don't do that is because we don't see ourselves as God sees us. We don't talk about ourselves the way God talks about us. But I've got good news. If you will make a decision to quit looking at the scene, this is a different mirror. Actually, if you go back, the next chapter back, chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the last verse, talks about how we all with open face beholding it as a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed into that self-same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What God is saying is I've given you a brand new mirror. You know, mirrors are, are brutally honest. Aren't they? Especially as you age. When you look into the mirror and you go, oh my God. You know, I mean, it's obvious. We're all in a, in a state of decay. You know, I know some of you are fighting it really hard. And Leah, Leah her, my wife for sure, you know, said, Thousands of dollars a week, just fighting it with everything. But there's another mirror. Amen. And when you put that mirror up, you don't say, oh, my God, 
You say, oh my God. <laughs> Amen. Now, in a natural mirror, what do you do? Now, now I'm myself, I can get ready approximately 10 minutes. You know, I, I can get ready. There ain't much to do. Ain't much you can do, you know. One of those deals. <laughs> I've gotten to that point. Ain't much you can do, you know. So it don't take me long. But now, now Leah, this is a process. That begins early in the morning when the light just begins to dawn. And I can hear the stirring in the, you know, in the, in, the, in, the, in the bathroom in there. And she's in there in this mirror and that mirror and this mirror. And she's working, doing all this kind of stuff. Now, what she's doing is she's affecting a change based on what she sees. Better go to work, you know. One of those deals. Now, God's given you another mirror called the Word of God. But we all with open face beholding in the glass the glory of the Lord are changed. Now, we look into the mirror of the Word of God and we understand the principles of the kingdom. Therefore, when we look into the mirror, what do we see? We see Christ. We see Jesus. The Word reveals the risen Savior. But we look closer into the mirror and what do we see? We see us in Him, in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection, in His new life imparted to us in a realm unseen. So he says, get your eyes off what you see. Get your eyes on what you can see. And what you can see will have more power to affect your life than anything you can see. And when you realize that, you realize that's what faith is. Faith is the ability to, to embrace a, a realm in which your senses will give you no testimony of reality. Your eyes can't see, your ears can't hear, your hands can't feel, your nose can't smell, uh, your eyes can't see. But then you figure out, you know, I've, I've got a different sense. I've got a sense of my spirit. My spirit is now alive unto God. I'm not a poor old sinner saved by grace. I used to be a member of the human family that was fallen, that was bound by sin and sickness and disease. Now I'm born again and I'm in God's family. How do you see me, Lord? Let me close with this. The incarnation, we talked about it earlier. God literally means God clothing himself with the flesh, which means there is an element of preexistence to the word of God before he came to the earth as Jesus Christ. We see him in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, uh, it's not, not that's John chapter 1, but in, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, in the beginning, God created uh, the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and without form, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep, and God said, let. You ever see, read that? Let there be light. That let is capitalized. And if you notice in the punctuation around there, there's no reason for it to be capitalized. But the reason it is capitalized is the word let there be light. You know what that is? That's Jesus. That's the word. That's the spoken word that, that brought creation. So here comes this angel. Hell. Talking to Mary. Hell. Christ is, God is with you. I'm trying to remember the exact phrase. The angel Gabriel appeared unto her and said, my mind just went blank. Oh well, y'all know what she said. I <laughs> know what he said, amen. You know, uh, 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 blessed, art thou among, blessed art thou among women, that's the last part of it. Anyway, you know the, the salutation that they made and the first thing that Mary did was this. She cast in her mind, she was troubled at the same, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation 
this should be. Hail thou that are highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And Mary cast in her mind, Mary was troubled in her mind and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She automatically rejected the word from God. This is how God sees you. God sees you as blessed, as favored, and the Lord is with you. And Mary goes, that ain't me. That ain't me. Even down further in Scripture, when the Bible said the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Also that, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And the Bible says, she said, how can this be? See, and I know not a man. See, she's still not accepting it. But then the Lord brought her to the place in which nothing is impossible with God. That shut up her mind. And what did she become? She became the highly favored virgin that bore Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's how God saw her because you can't do what God tells you to do till you see yourself as God sees you. That's why a lot of people struggle when it comes to obedience is they just don't see themselves as God sees you. Let me say this. No matter what God tells you to do, you can do it if you can see yourself in the light of how he sees you. He sees your faith. He sees your faithfulness. He hears your prayers. He watches out over you more than you watch out over yourself. And when he tells you, don't look at things that are seen, look at things that are unseen, you begin to embrace that unseen realm more than just on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. You begin to embrace it all the time. Every day you get up, you put up your hands. Thank you, Father. Oh, I thank you. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things are new for me. I thank you, Heavenly Father. He that knew no sin was made sin on my... Because of that, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm more than a conqueror. And you just do that every... You say, I got to do that every day. Don't you need it every day? The Bible says the outward man perish, but the inward man is renewed day my day. I started making those confessions 37 years ago and I, thought, I never thought I would continue to make those confessions for 37 years but now that I have I realize the power of those confessions. You say why? Because it changes your identity and you see yourself as God sees you and because you, ooh that's a good point Lord, thank you. When you see yourself as God sees you it makes it easy to receive from him. Mary finally saw herself as God saw her and she conceived Jesus. Gideon finally saw himself as God saw him and he delivered Israel. Moses finally saw himself as God saw him and he brought Israel out of Egypt. Amen? And you can go all down through one of the last, let me close with this, the last thing that really impressed me is when Samuel the prophet went to Jesse's house in order to anoint a new king. And he brought all these handsome boys out and he went by each one of them and God said, no, no, no. But God made this powerful statement. He says, God doesn't look on the outward. God looks at the heart. And I guarantee you, that is the part of you that God wants to so radically change. That is your heart. Where you believe like you never believed before. You stand like you've never stood before. You worship like you've never worshipped before. You praise like you've never praised before. And you never ever again see yourself as empty or defeated or unable because you see yourself in Christ 
a child of the living God, part of a royal family, and nothing is impossible with your heavenly Father. Amen? So we look not at things that are seen, but at things that are unseen. For things that are seen are temporal, subject to change, but things that are unseen are eternal and forever settled in heaven. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody, bow your head for just a moment. moment. Brother Frank, if you will, go and play the keyboard for just a moment. Father, thank you for today. If there be one this morning not right with you, one that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, one that needs to restore fellowship, let your gentle conviction of your word and your spirit come upon them today, Lord. Let this be their day to be right with God. Quickly, as Brother Frank plays softly there, Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today, say, Pastor, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I need to be right with God. Would you please pray with me? Be happy to do it. Raise your hand if that's you right now. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? God bless you. I see one hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Quickly, one has raised their hand. We're not going to, I see another hand. God bless you. You can put it down once you've raised it. We're not going to ask you to come up in front of people or anything like that. We just want to pray with you and make sure that you know you're right with God. Two have raised their hand. Any more? Quickly, as I look around, one more time, one more time. Quickly, as I look around, one more time. Anyone else would raise your hand? Praise the Lord. Good. Everybody stand, if you will. And I want everyone to pray this prayer out loud so that your own ears hear what your mouth is saying. And the two of you that raised your hand, I want you to settle it. Once you pray that prayer, I'm right with God, and I'm going to stay right. Everybody say, get right. right. Say, get right. Say, stay right. Everybody pray with me. Heavenly Father, right now, as I stand here at Island Church, I openly and publicly confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. I am born again because of what you've done. Your death, your burial, your resurrection, your blood upon the altar, you being seated at the right hand of the Father, ensures and assures my heart that my confession of you brings salvation into my life. Areas of areas in which I have not pleased you, areas of weakness in my life in which I need help, I confess these weaknesses to you, Lord, and you alone. I thank you, Father, You forgive me through your forgiveness. I restore my fellowship. I will fellowship through your word. I will fellowship through prayer. I will fellowship. I will fellowship by coming to church, knowing that all of this activity is fellowship with you, God. Thank you, Lord. My fellowship is restored. I declare... Here at Island Church, May the 30th, 2021. I've gotten right. I'm going to stay right. I'm going to stay right in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Give them all a hand clap. Come on, don't patty cake. Give them a hand clap. Now it's those three simple things. Read the Bible, pray, come to church. 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 Read the Bible. You say, well, that, that, that'll get boring. No, it won't. It'll be the most exciting life you could ever live. Amen? And it won't be a life in which all your questions get answered, but it will be a life in, all, in which all your doubt gets removed. 
Hallelujah. And again, before we dismiss, God bless all of our veterans. Thank you for your service. I trust you'll have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend with your friends and family. And we do here at Island Church honor you. We honor you very much. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy toward us. Thank you for your divine protection in our life. We declare no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh our dwelling. Angels have charge over us. Therefore, we declare in all of our travels, the highways, airways, the, the railways, the seaways, any other way of travel or transportation, we declare our safety. Father, in the righteous labor of our hands, where we go and earn a living, Lord, our businesses, our jobs, we declare we're protected from evil men, from the devil himself, even from the pandemics and epidemics, all of the bacteria and viral diseases going around. Thank you, Father. We abide under the shadow of the Most High, and we choose to stand on the front end and believe you, Father, for delivering us from instead of out of. We thank you for it, Lord. Father, as we leave today, we thank you that you stir evangelism in our hearts. All this week, every one of us will have opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. Thank you, Father. We'll be an answer to their prayer, problem to the devil, and a miracle in their lives. Lord, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much, Father. We leave today walking as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. We leave thanking you, Father, for our church, walking in love one toward another. As we leave today, we declare over all of our lives that here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.